song we used to sing that says, This joy that I have, the world did not give it to me, and the world cannot take it away. It was a declaration that joy doesn't come from circumstances. True joy comes from the Lord Jesus Christ living and abiding and operating in our life. He is the source of joy. I feel the joy of the Lord today. Amen. I thank God for His goodness, for His grace, for His mercy. Amen. What a privilege to be together in the house of the Lord. If this is the first time you've been in an apostolic or a Pentecostal church, you may be going, man, I'm not sure what in the world's going on. It's a little noisier than maybe somewhere I've been before. It's okay, I promise. What you're experiencing is what you read about in the Bible. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's the word of the Lord. The Bible says, lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. That's in the Bible. The Bible says, leap for joy to the Lord. See, this is biblical. This is biblical worship. This is biblical worship. Somebody once said, man, you don't have to be so loud. God's not deaf. A friend of mine said, he's not timid either. You're not going to shake him up. Now, we understand it's not about how loud or how quiet. But we, we find in the Psalms these declaration of praise to the Lord. It says we should praise Him on the stringed instruments. We should praise Him on the organs, on the cymbals, on the high-sounding cymbals, and all these different things. And then the psalmist finished that psalm, and he said this, Let everything that hath breath. Are you breathing? He said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And so when we lift our voice in adoration to him, to him. Now, there is a difference between praise and worship. There's a difference. We praise God for what he's done. We praise God for what he's done. You heard Brother Lewis talking at the outset about how he grew up as a child and his earthly father, but then how when the Lord came into his life and he came to know the Lord as his father, his heavenly father, and the difference. That's a reason to praise God. Does that make sense? But, so sometimes we're like, man, I just don't feel like praising today. Things aren't going my way. I got problems. I got pains. I got pressures. I don't feel like praise. Well, see, worship is not because of what he's done. Worship is what I do simply because of who he is. He's God and God alone, and he's worthy of my worship. So I don't worship him because things are great or not great. I don't worship him because of what he has done or hasn't done. I worship him simply because he is God, and I'm acknowledging who he is. That's worship. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated today. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, we are honored that you are with us. I mean that with all of my heart. We are honored that you would come and worship with us today. Amen. 
Somebody made a statement to me in times past, man, you people never sit down. And so I that is true sometimes. Um, but I, I feel like sometimes we should have a sign like on the door that says, while we sing and worship, you can stand or sit. But usually what happens once we start singing, people just start standing up. And so it feels amen. It's wonderful to be here in the house of the Lord. I feel the presence of the Lord today in a rich way. Amen. Amen. I'm going to dismiss teachers to their classrooms today. Pray the Lord minister to our children. I'm going to move if I can. Amen. We're going to have a baptism today. I thank God for that. Amen. We may talk about that a little bit here in a minute. We're taking a bunch of young people to youth convention this week. Excited about that. Thank you to the many who have given to help offset some of their expenses I pray God bless you for that and they're going to have a great time we're looking for I think we're taking 10 young people to Spokane and uh, so I'm excited about that amen it'd be a great time as we now that's not a it's not a three-day um, three-day um, what's the word I'm looking for here entertainment trip there we go now, they'll have fun, I promise you, they'll, they'll, and hopefully they won't get in any trouble, but they'll have fun, and, uh, but it's also three days of ministry, teaching, time together, worship, the Word, specifically geared to young people, and so we're thankful for the opportunity to invest in our young people, and I believe the Lord is going to do a great work, amen? So I ask you to be in prayer for them this week as they're there. That will be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week in Spokane. Amen. Um, would you grab your Bible this morning? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? The word of God is forever settled. The scripture is clear. Heaven and earth may pass away. But his word will never pass away. And in a world where there's so much misinformation and confusion and question. I am thankful that there is one place I can go. Where I know what I'm getting is the truth. The word of God is truth. Amen. The word of God is truth. And I'm thankful for the truth. Amen. Somebody's getting a phone call. Would you go with me today to the book of Exodus? Exodus chapter 13. And I'm going to dismiss children ages 4 to 11. Children, for, I could tell kids were getting nervous. They're like, oh, no, he's, oh, he's going to the scripture, and he hasn't dismissed us yet. He forgot us. I almost did. Maybe that little sound was for me to remember. Amen. I... 
in prayer and waiting, waiting, waiting on the Lord. That song we sang, I was. Uh, and I'd even I'd even reached out to Brother Johnstone this morning, said, would you wait on the Lord with me today? I just wasn't sure where and. And been here a little while this morning and uh, waiting on the Lord yesterday. And, you know, the challenge sometimes is you can dig and you can find something to teach or preach pretty quick. If you've been doing it a while. I'm really not interested in that. I'm really not. We, we need, it's too late in the hour for us to just have pretty sermons and fancy thoughts. We need to hear from the Lord's word. He needs to speak to us where we are. And anybody believe that the Lord has a word for the present hour? I do too. And so that's what I'm interested in, his word for the present hour. And, uh, and then there we were in the prayer room, and the Lord just took my spirit somewhere. And so we'll see where we end up today. Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to save you a lot of time right now. And everybody said, praise God. I'm going to save you a lot of time right now by giving you a quick synopsis without reading three chapters. The plagues have just come through Egypt. The children of Israel have put the blood on the doorpost of the clean lamb, the Passover, type and shadow of Jesus Christ, who became the ultimate Passover lamb. And they have been led out of Egypt. Moses has led them out of Egypt. You got the picture? Egypt was sin. Egypt was a type and shadow of sin in the Old Testament. Bondage. Israel, the people of God, were in bondage. They were not intended to live in Egypt. God had a placed promise for them, but they were in bondage. Egypt is always a type and shadow of sin in the Bible. They had been brought out of bondage because the blood was on the doorpost. You got to have the blood. You got to have the blood. No cross, no salvation. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Can't circumvent the cross. Got to go the way of the cross. You and I have to go the way of the cross. You and I have to die to ourself and to our will. There is no salvation if I don't die to my will and my way. Can't circumvent the cross. We're in a world of easy believism. Just love God, let God love you, and everything's fine. Do what you want. He loves you. His grace is enough. It doesn't matter how you live. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We must go the way of the cross. I have to die to my will. Jesus said, except a man deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He can't be my disciple. I want to be his disciple. Now, that can sound terrible, but you got to read the rest of the story. In Jesus' example, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The cross was temporary displeasure. There was joy on the other side of the cross. And so we must go the way of the cross, the dying to our will. And it goes so hard. I, I know what I want. I know what I like. I know what makes me happy. I know what feeds me, flesh, me, self. But if I'll die to that. Give myself to the leading of the will of God and the work of God. There is joy on the other side of self-denial. All right? So, the blood's been on the door. They've come through, out of Egypt. So now you got the, you know where we're reading in the Bible. 
Verse 20, Exodus 13 and verse 20. I'm reading from the New King James, so it might be a slightly different than what you see on the screen. So they, they are the children of Israel. They took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. So see, they're getting ready to go into the wilderness now. At the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. This is important. The blood, they've come out of bondage. And now the Lord has appeared, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, to lead them. And the Lord did not take it away. Is that what the word said that we just read? All right. Fast forward, chapter 14. I've got to find the right verse I want. Verse 24. Now here's what's happening. They've gone out. They're into the world. Egypt, sin is following them. Sin is pursuing them. Egypt is trying to take them back. Look, when God brings you out of something, don't think for a minute the adversary is not going to try to reach and draw you back. Again, Egypt is a type and shadow of sin. And so there may be things that you have dealt with and struggle with in your life that God in His great love and by the blood of the Lamb has broken. We sang that song, the power of sin is broken. That's a result of the cross. And so God may have brought you out of that, but you and I must understand Egypt still pursues after. It would like to bring you back into bondage, back into spiritual bondage if He could. Now He can't unless I choose to let Him. If I submit to the way and the work of the Lord. But so Egypt is pursuing after the Israelites. And they run up to an impasse. Here's this Red Sea. You know the story, right? And so I said verse 24. I want to go back actually to verse number uh, 15. Amen. Exodus 14 and 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Because they're afraid now. The children of Israel are afraid. Sin's pursuing them. Egypt's pursuing them. Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel will go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. You know that story, right? Praise somebody's helping her. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Verse 17. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they'll follow them. So I'll gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Watch. Do you see what's happening here? The Lord said, I'm going to gain honor over that. When the Lord destroys sin, the things that hold you in bondage, when you allow the Lord to destroy those things, it gives honor to him. The scripture says in the New Testament that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. You're not meant to live under the bondage of sin. You are not meant to live under the bondage of sin. There's a lie that's continued to be perpetrated throughout our world that says, well, you know what, because I'm human, I'm just always going to sin. I'm just always going to sin. And thank goodness I can come back and repent, but I'm always going to sin. That's a lie. 
the power of God is able to keep you. The grace of God. Now, you and I can't do it on our own. Not a chance. But the grace of God is, enables us to do what we cannot do ourselves. That's what grace is. Grace isn't you can sin and it's okay. Grace is I'm giving you power to live free and separated from sin. That's what grace is. Now, that's a whole different Bible study for another time, but I promise you that's in the Word. Grace is not do what you want. Grace is enablement, empowerment to live free from sin. What I can't do myself. All right, so the Lord's going to get honor. Verse 18, the Egyptians will know I'm the Lord when I've gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19, and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians, the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that one did not come near the other all that night. This is that pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire that we read in chapter 13, that when they came out of Egypt, it was the Lord and was leading them. Skip down to verse 24. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. Now, they've already gone through. Israel's gone through the Red Sea now. You know that story. They've passed through on dry ground. Egypt's following. Come to pass in the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels, so they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let's flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them. I like that verse. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. This is what the Lord does for you and I when we yield to him, submit to him, and follow him. The Lord fights for us against that which would try to destroy us. He fights for you. I don't know what that does for you. That does something for me. I haven't been, I've never, you probably can't tell, I've never had 20-inch guns up here. All right, I know you probably thought different, but no, my wife didn't marry me because of my muscular physique. She thought I had money. That's an inside joke. I'll explain that to you later. I might as well tell you now because here we are. When we were dating, I would, always, I would send her flowers all the time. I had an account at the flower shop. That's how smitten I was. And so I had this account at the flower shop. The flower shop's still there. I probably invested so much, they're never going to go out of business. But they're still there. It's called the Flower Basket in Lebanon, Missouri. So I had an account. I just paid a bill every month. And, they just, and so she just thought I had money because they just, the flowers kept coming, I guess. And so then we got married, and she realized I didn't. And so, but then she was committed, right? I mean, so 30 years later, here we are. Amen. No. But... So I've, I've never been, you know, I didn't like, I don't like fighting. I don't like fights. I got in a few during grade school. By the time I got through grade school, I was like, I don't enjoy fights. So when I read, the Lord fights for me. Now this isn't in the natural. 
This is in the spiritual. You understand, in humanity, the battles you and I face, the, the scripture is clear. We do not wrestle flesh and blood. We're not wrestling people. That's the deception of the adversary to get you offended, hurt, wounded, so that you'll resist the work of God in your life. You're not fighting people. It's spiritual things. The word is clear. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are things we wrestle against. Why? Because the adversary, the God of this world, wants to destroy your soul and mind and keep us from a lasting, eternal relationship with God. And so we wore those things. And here's the deal. If you and I are fighting those on our own, we're going to lose. But I have the word of the Lord. And you have the word of the Lord. That just as he fought for Israel, the Lord fights for us. That verse excites me. So the Lord said, I'm going to fight for you against the Egyptian. And again, this is a type and shadow of sin. The Lord fights for you. You can't, those things that you battle, that you're like, man, I just, how come I can't get past this? You got to get on your face before the Lord. Humble ourselves before God. God, I can't do this on my own. I haven't got this all figured out. I can't figure this out. I'm asking you, God Almighty, help me. God of mercy, have mercy on me. God who cannot fail, come to my rescue. I was praying this morning early. God, I don't know what to the circumstance situation I'm facing and dealing with and I don't have the answer and I've come at it 23 different ways can anybody relate to that attacking it this way attacking it that way praying about it and wrestling over it and finally I just said Lord help me some of you need to get to that place I just felt that in the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to get to that place with your situation that you're willing to just lay it out before God. Say, God, help me. Come to my rescue. Order my step. Direct my thoughts. Give me your word. Help me understand the next thing to do. And God fights for us. He fights for his people. This is part of his character. This is who he is. So it's this pillar of cloud. And I'm really trying to get somewhere. But fast forward to the book of Numbers. There you go. We just got all the way through the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Now we're in, or through Leviticus and the last half of Exodus. Here we are in Numbers. I want you to We must see this. There's something the Holy Ghost wants us to lay hold of. Because these are principles from the word of God. Principles from the Word of God. Everyone who comes into relationship with God and walks the way that He would lead us, Jesus Christ said, I am what? The way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is that what He said? He said, no man, that's pretty much everybody, isn't it? No man comes to the Father but by me. So there is no other way. He's the only way. And so, if I'm going to come the way of the Lord Jesus, He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He didn't say, I am a multi-choice way. He said, I am the way. 
Some of us got to settle that in our spirit. There is no other way to God but through the Lord Jesus Christ. No other way. Hmm. This idea that God's other people are worship, it's the same God, just a different name. That's a lie. It's a lie. Jesus is the way. Okay? Now, so if I'm going to come the way of the Lord, we see patterns here in the Old Testament that help us understand His plan. We started with the foundation, the blood on the doorposts. When he brought them out of bondage, the first thing was the blood. You got to go through the blood. You got to go the way of the cross. There's got to be a dying to myself, a dying to my. That's repentance. That's repentance. The word repentance we hear a lot. Repentance just simply means in the Greek that's used throughout the scripture, the word repentance means a change of one's mind or the changing of how somebody thinks. Anybody here ever been in the military? We have anybody? We got one back there. Yeah, I grew up in the military, uh, my family, and I, I would watch on the training base how they would walk. And you see a bunch of soldiers in line, and they'd walk, and then you'd hear this, about face. Anybody ever heard that? Maybe you saw that in some movie or something. Yeah, right. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Okay. Like, I saw it for real growing up as a kid. In the middle. They, they would walk, and the one guy would leave, and, he'd go, and they'd get to a point, and he'd say, about face, and they'd turn, right? Well, did you know, in Eng- I went to England, and then, you know, they have the changing of the guard and all that stuff in London. Did you know in, in the United Kingdom there, when they do that, they don't say about face? They don't. Here's what they do. They march. And I'm not going to use an English accent because my kids would kill me and I don't have one anyway. <laughs> all right. But here's what they do. They march in England, and they go, repent. Repent. Why? Because the word repentance is a change of direction. A change of direction. It's an acknowledgement. I was going one direction. And the direction I was going was because my thoughts were influenced by the God of this world. But I come in contact with the one true living God of the Bible. And the Spirit of God began to deal with my heart. And I began to have godly sorrow for the direction that I was going. I didn't understand where I was going before was against the will of God. But when God began to deal with my heart, I had sorrow for the direction I was going. What is that? That's conviction. God began to deal with my heart. And so I realized I've got to change. I can't keep going that direction. And so I turn. First, my thinking changes. And when my thinking changes, then my life begins to change. This is a work of God. The Bible says godly sorrow works repentance. God will cause you and I to be sorrowful about a choice we made in hopes and a desire to cause us to change direction. The challenge with our human nature is sometimes we think, if I cried, that means I repented. No, that means I felt sorry. There's got to be a change of my mind, not just a move of my emotions. That's true repentance. 
I've used the example for somebody before. I've never done this. This is simply a hypothetical example. Okay, she's here as my witness. If I, if I beat up on my wife every day, I don't, I never have. Okay. If I beat up on my wife every day, I'm so sorry. I feel terrible about that. I'm terrible. I'm such a terrible. I'm so sorry that I've done this. I shouldn't have lifted my hand against you. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I come to the altar and I cry and weep before the Lord. And then I get up tomorrow and I do the same thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. We've been married 30 years. If that's continued for 30 years, I have never repented. You understand? I may have been sorry a lot. Some, and some people say, yeah, you're a sorry fellow. And they'd be right. But you understand? I could be sorry. I could cry. I could feel bad about it. I could weep and weep and cry. And, and that may be part of true repentance, you understand. But if I don't have a change of how I think, a change of one's mind, I have not truly repented. And so something has to happen. So what does God do? God deals with me by his word and teaches me I should honor my wife. I should honor her as the weaker vessel, Peter said, so that my prayers aren't hindered, the Bible tells me. And so now I change my action. I'm like, God, I want to please you. I want to please you. My thinking is wrong. Change how I think. And when you change how I think, you'll change how I act. That's true repentance. Does that make sense? And so the blood on the door and them coming out, that's a repentance. They were living in bondage to Egypt. They were slaves, but they had a change. I can live free. I don't have to live in bondage. I can live free. I don't have to make bricks. I can live. And God, let, now, it wasn't their own doing. God made a way just as he did for you and I. But the second he brings us out of sin, the moment I, here's what happens sometimes. God will do a miraculous work in a life. And he'll deliver them and bring someone out of sin. He'll break the bondage of addiction. He'll break bondages of perversion. He'll break bondages, you fill in the blank. He'll break those bonds of theft and cheating and lying and deception and adultery and fornication. He'll break all those spiritual bonds that we were into. And we rejoice and we think, then we think, oh, thank God. He set me free. I got this now. Not an addict anymore. That's all I was hoping for. Thank God. No, 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 no. You didn't deliver yourself. I didn't deliver myself. Why would I think now I can start walking by myself? And so, see, this is the type and shadow that we see in the book of Exodus where we read. Once he brought them out of Egypt... Then he came as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to begin to lead them because he did not expect to bring them out only to have them then figure it out themselves where they were going to walk. But the spirit of cloud, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire was saying, now that I've brought you out, you've got to learn to walk where I lead you or else you're going to end up right back in the mess you were in. You see these in scripture? Okay, so, so we see this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire and this is part of God's process for you and I it's an example to us the New Testament said these things in the Old Testament were written as examples for us alright so numbers I don't even know what chapter I want I think chapter 9 yes numbers chapter 9 I was telling somebody the other day I love the book of numbers there's so much in there, it's so rich. They looked at me like I was crazy. 
Like numbers, really? I'm telling you, this book is so full. The book of numbers is so full. I'm long removed from my teens, and I won't repeat it, but apparently there's some pickup line that single men, Mariah knows it. Maybe I'll ask Mariah. She said, no. Ethan knows it. He looked right at my wife. So, see, these people know this. Now I have to share it, don't I? Yeah, yeah, some of you guys are. So the old saying was, I've been reading the book of Numbers, and I realize I don't have yours. So is that right, Mariah? Mariah said that's right. So there you go. Just a little help for our young people going to youth convention this week. No, please don't say that. Okay, let's get back to the word. But the book of Numbers is filled with the richness of the, of the goodness of God and its examples to us of the love of God for us and types and shadows of how he would work in our lives now. Okay, so we see this pillar of cloud when they come out of Egypt. We see it at the Red Sea where he looks back through it and he looks down and destroys the arm. It's indicative of the Spirit of God. You understand, that's what this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire represents. I want you to see this. Numbers chapter fi- uh, 9, verse number 15. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, now I didn't read chapter 7. I should have read chapter 7, but I didn't because it's a total of almost 90 verses. Aren't you glad we didn't read it? It's 89 verses long, but it's a very important chapter because it's the tabernacle. And the tabernacle has now been set up, and they're getting ready to dedicate the tabernacle. All right, if you read chapter 7 of Numbers, you'll see this. They're going to dedicate the tabernacle. And when they do, the Lord tells Moses, I want you to bring men from every tribe, one from every tribe for every day. So for 12 days, one of every of the 12 tribes of Israel. Every day they're going to come and they're going to bring their offering for their tribe. One day, this tribe, the next day. And so they did this for 12 days long. That's why it was 90 verses almost in Numbers chapter 7. And they bring this sacrifice unto the Lord at the dedicating of the tabernacle. Now keep in mind, the children of Israel have been walking through the wilderness consistently led by this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire. But now the tabernacle has been built according to the plan of God. They're dedicating the tabernacle. All 12 tribes for 12 days have offered sacrifices at the dedicating of the tabernacle. We see that everything's set up in the tabernacle in chapter 8. Blood's applied, cleansing. And now we see the second Passover. This happens at the time of the second Passover. And now watch. Verse 15. Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, The cloud, which cloud? That pillar of cloud. The cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. From evening till morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was, how often was it there? That's important. How often was the pillar there? Always. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day. And the appearance of fire by night. Verse 17, watch. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. Did you catch that? Whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, that means when it started moving, after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. 
18. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. You ever been in a situation in your life where, man, I'm getting antsy. I got to move. Some of you are there right now. I know. I'm trying to hurry. You ever been in that in a situation or circumstance in your life where, man, something's got to happen. I got to move. Something's got to happen. I got to move. Better learn to wait on the moving of the cloud. The children of Israel. What a beautiful testimony that we just read here in verse number 19. Even when the cloud continued long, many days, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. They heard the word of the Lord and they determined, if the cloud doesn't move, I don't move. I may be ready to move. I may be getting anxious. I may be getting eager. I may be getting excited. I may be ready to go. I may be getting weary in the spot where I'm at, but I'm waiting on the cloud to move. And they kept the charge of the Lord. Watch verse 20. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days. According to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. Verse 21. So it was when the cloud only remained only from evening till morning. When the cloud was taken up in the morning, they would journey. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Verse 22. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle. The children of Israel remained encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Talking about Jesus being the way. Coming through the blood, the cross. They came through the Red Sea already, right? You understand as well, the Red Sea is a type and a shadow of water baptism. We understand that from the scripture. They passed through the sea. And that which represented sin was destroyed by the water. This is why the Apostle Peter could say in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Who's every one of you? Oh, yeah. That's, don't you like it when the scripture's so clear? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That word remission is the removal, the washing away of sins. See, you see the type and shadow in the Old Testament? And you shall receive the gift of... Of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. That's the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Leading and guiding. Leading and guiding. When are you going to move? I'm not moving until God says move. Well, but it's the middle of the night. Now he's moving. Isn't that what the verse said? Whether by day or by night. When the cloud moved, they moved. Whether two days or two months. When the cloud moved, they moved. 
This is the designing. Book of John, chapter 3. See, there is something the Lord is wanting to do in our life. This is where we are in time. Remember how I said the Lord and the Word of God wants to speak to us where we are in time? It's the danger of, of a building. We can get fixed in a building. And I thank God for the privilege of coming together, opening the Word. We need this time. But the church is not meant to dwell in buildings made with hands. John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi or teacher, we know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Well, of course God was with him. Emmanuel, God with us. He was God robed in the flesh. Amen. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Again, don't you love it when the scripture is very plain? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's Jesus talking. Verse 4, Nicodemus was thinking in the natural. That's our problem, son. We think in the natural. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus, verse 5, answered, most assuredly or truly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Who said that? Jesus. Now, first he said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. You understand, we should have spiritual eyes to see the kingdom. Once we're born again, we should have something happen to our eyes spiritually where we don't see from the same perspective anymore. But then he said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's he talking about? Verse six. Let's see. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Everybody in here was born of the flesh, right? You have a birthday to prove it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the, notice capital S, that's the very spirit of God. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Flesh is temporary. Spirit is eternal. If I'm going to go to heaven and live with him eternally, it's not going to be in my flesh. It's going to be the spirit. All right, verse 7. Jesus still talking. Do not marvel or don't be surprised that I said to you, you should consider. No. You should think about. Oh, no. Jesus was clear. You must be born again. Born again how? Of water and of spirit. Is that what he said? All right. Verse 8. Watch. I want you to see this. We're finishing. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's coming from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it chooses. You can't tell where it's coming and you can't tell where it's going. But that's Jesus said this is everyone that's born. I'll tell you what he's saying. It's like that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. You see in this in the Old Testament? We don't know when that pillar of cloud is going to move. 
But as Israelites, Old Testament, our life's not our own anymore. We don't belong to ourselves. We didn't bring ourselves out of Egypt. God brought us out of Egypt. That's what Israel understood. Therefore, we no longer choose our own path. The Spirit of the Lord chooses our path. We follow the cloud. We follow the... That's what they did. You got that? It was the type and shadow of where we are today. And so, what do we do? We repent. That's the blood. That's coming the way of the cross. We recognize our sinful nature. We recognize how we oppose the word and the will of God when we live according to our flesh. And the Spirit of God begins to deal with us about our wrong choices and wrong actions. That's called conviction. And I realize he died so that I would not have to. Brother Ethan said it during worship. The wages of sin is death. He paid the price so I don't have to pay that price. But I recognize it really should have been me on the cross. You understand that today. It really should have been you and I on the cross. That's not hyperbole. That's the reality. He did not deserve to die. I did. Some of us, that hasn't become real for us yet. That's got to become real in our lives that I understand I'm the one that deserved to die. I was the sinner. I'm the one who violated his word. I'm the one who broke the law. I'm the one who disobeyed. I'm the one who gave in to sin. I'm the sinner. I'm the one that deserves death. My actions deserve death according to a, a, a just God. If, if, he, if he took my life, he'd be justified. He'd be righteous. He'd be doing the right thing. I deserve the cross, not him. But he so loved you and me. This is the expression of love. I'm going to take your place. Let's make an exchange here. Your sin for my righteousness. I'll take your sin and give you my righteousness. Who wouldn't take that exchange? But because he took my sin. He had to die. Somebody had to pay the price for sin. Should have been me on the cross. Should have been me on the cross. It should have been you. But he took my place. He exchanged Right? Corinthians makes it clear, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. It's the cross. I got to go the way of the cross. I must recognize I am a sinner. And unless I come to a place of repentance, I come to the cross and die to my will, and I accept the atoning sacrifice of the Lamb, I will die in my sins. And so then when I come and I say, I'll accept your sacrifice, you, I'll take your righteousness, I'll give you my sin, I'll accept the blood of Calvary, I'll take what you did. What I'm doing when I receive the blood of Calvary, I'm entering into a covenant. You understand what's the blood? The blood was a covenant. It was circumcision in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he said it's no longer circumcision of the flesh, but now it's circumcision of the heart. It's in the Word. So there's this cutting of my heart. I recognize my sinful condition. Paul said that circumcision of the heart 
happens in the waters of baptism. That's why baptism isn't just the checking off of a list and just going through emotion. It is the fulfillment of the word of God. It is being born again of water. You got to go through the water. You got to. Some, did you know there's people today that are saying baptism is no longer necessary? I don't know what Bible they're reading. The scripture is clear in Corinthians and Colossians. We are buried with Christ through baptism. We're saved by the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we keep it in memory, that word if we keep in memory means if we apply it to our lives. How do I apply the death, the burial, and the resurrection? I apply the death through repentance, dying to myself. I apply the burial, the word is clear, through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Where's the resurrection? When he fills me with his spirit so that I walk in newness of life. Why does he fill me with this spirit? So that he can lead me by his spirit. It's the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. I don't go forward unless he goes forward. I don't leave unless he leaves. I don't move unless he says move. This is the design of God for the church in the hour to be led by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Except now it's his indwelling spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's being born of water and of spirit. Baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Aren't you thankful the word of God is so plain and so simple? Would you stand with me today? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I don't know where you are between Egypt and the promised land. In that Old Testament type and shadow. Now, obviously, if we're here. We are not in the promised land yet. There ain't a one of us here that's crossed over Jordan. (laughs) At least I don't think. But the, the way to get there is the same. The blood, the water, the spirit. The blood of Christ cross repentance dying to myself the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins buried not sprinkled buried the word baptism itself means to submerge or immerse that's what the word literally means We're buried with him in baptism. I never saw a dead person where they laid him on the top of the ground and somebody said, there, I sprinkled a little dirt on top of them. They're now buried. No, we're buried with him in baptism. That's why we go under. And we do it in the name of Jesus Christ because that's the only way the Bible teaches. No one in the Bible, somebody needs to hear this today. No one in the Bible was ever baptized 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Actually, that's only partially true. They were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But the name is Jesus. They weren't baptized in the titles. They were baptized in the name. The power's in the name, not in the titles. This is why Peter preached it on the day of Pentecost. This is why they exampled it in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. All 11 apostles, all 12 apostles, once Matthias joined them, they didn't get it wrong. They didn't be like, oh, we misunderstood Jesus and we're just doing our own thing. No, they understood clearly what Jesus said, so they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they taught to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In Samaria, they commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. Cornelius' house, Peter commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 19, Paul commanded them to be rebaptized because they hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name. He commanded them to be rebaptized in Acts chapter 19 in Jesus' name. It's the Word of God. So you got to go through the water in Jesus' name. And then the scripture is clear. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the indwelling spirit of God that will come and dwell in. And then that spirit of God that dwells in you, its purpose is to lead you and guide you and direct you and I every day that we live. It's the example from the Old Testament. When the, when the pillar of cloud picked up, they moved. When it stayed, they stayed. If it stayed long, they stayed long. If it was day, they moved. If it was night, they moved. Didn't matter. Whatever the spirit, whatever the cloud did. Jesus said, such are they that are born of the spirit. Now, you might say, man, that sounds crazy. That could be a whole lot of moving or a whole lot of sitting still. You're exactly right. But it's like that song we sang. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And here's the thing. He knows where he's taking us if I'll follow his spirit. Would you begin to talk to the Lord with me right now, right there where you are? In Jesus' name, we need your word today, Lord. By your grace, I've sought to declare the truth of your word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, we must be people filled with and led by the Spirit of God. We must be people filled with and led by the Spirit of God. In this hour that we live in, there is no other way. The world is consumed with fear and confusion and doubt and question. But if we're filled with and led by the Spirit of God, all of those things are pushed away because we have a sure anchor. We have clear direction. Our eyes aren't fixed on the Egyptian army. Our eyes aren't fixed on the events of the world. Our eyes are fixed on Him. Our eyes are fixed on the Spirit of the Lord. That's why He said if you're born again, you'll see the kingdom and you'll enter the kingdom. Our eyes are fixed on the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this world. We look to you. We trust in you, Lord. We trust in your word and the leading of your spirit today. I pray the working of your word in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
I'd like to open this altar to you today. Maybe there's some of you here that you're like, man, I just got to get to the cross. I, I need to find a place of repentance in my life where I humble myself before God and cry out for his help on my behalf. This altar is open to you. Maybe you're here and you're going, I'm, I moved past that, but I want a fresh look at the water that I went through. I've already been baptized in Jesus' name, but I want a fresh look. I want the cleansing of that again in my heart. Come on, this altar is open. Would you talk with the Lord Jesus? Jesus today. Maybe you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can begin to worship Him and praise Him if you've truly repented. He'll fill you with the gift of the Spirit according to His Word. He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We humble ourselves before you today, God. We can do nothing without you. We can't bring ourselves out of the bondage of sin. We can't take ourselves across the Red Sea that's impassable without your help. We can't walk the way we should walk without the leading of your Spirit. Every step along the journey, we need you, God. I need you today. I can't do it in my own efforts. I can't do it in my own ability. It's not by my might or by my power. It's only by your spirit, Lord. I look to you and I trust in you today, God. I trust in the leading and the operation of the Holy Ghost. I trust the ministry and the work of your spirit, Lord. Oh, Father, deal with every heart here today. A recognition of our place in you. A recognition of the price you've paid. A realization that your desire is that we would be born again of water and of spirit. You have a plan for each one of us. A desire to lead and use us. We submit to you today, Father. We submit to your word. We submit to your work. We submit to your will. Let us not go through life in bondage to Egypt and lost in our sin. But I pray a walking to the cross, a coming to the cross, an humbling myself before the cross, a dying to myself every day as the Apostle Paul declared that I would live unto Christ, nevertheless that you would live in us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. 